A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, with the train of his garment filling the temple. Seraphim were stationed above. Each of them had six wings. With two, they veiled their faces. With two, they veiled their feet. And with two, they hovered aloft. They cried one to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. All the earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of that cry, the frame of the door shook, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, I am doomed, for I am a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, holding an ember that he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with it and said, See, now that this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed, your sin purged. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Here I am, I said, send me the word of the Lord. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is king in splendor robed. Robed is the Lord and girt about with strength. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. And he has made the world firm, not to be moved. Your throne stands firm from of old. From everlasting you are, O Lord. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Your decrees are worthy of trust indeed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, for length of days. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Now that we're awake, and that's not a bad way to begin considering the readings that we have today, this idea of being woken up. In both our first reading, which is the call of the prophet Isaiah, and our gospel reading, which, while many may not have understood the Spanish, you know the story. It's the Annunciation of the Lord, the Annunciation to Mary. There is something about a word breaking in, insisting it must be heard by someone who is awake and alert. And our first reading, that is an overwhelming experience. Isaiah, at prayer in the temple, has this overwhelming experience of God, which apparently nobody else notices. But he has this image, this incredible experience of the Lord enthroned in his glory, surrounded by the seraphim who shout to one another, 
holy, holy, holy. And notice how every time we celebrate Mass, we echo that song of those angels from that moment. Those angels of the throne of God, those angels of the glory of God. And note how the prophet says, and they didn't say it to me, they were saying it to each other. What a wonderful understanding of a certain element of what happens when we gather for Mass, where our responses are not simply prayers that we privately direct toward heaven, but there are certain acclamations that we say to one another to remind ourselves and among ourselves and to remind each other of the greatness, the goodness, the glory of God. Small wonder that a prophet who will be sent to the world to remind God's people of his holiness and his goodness first experiences the angels reminding one another, speaking to one another of the overwhelming greatness and holiness of God. But for Isaiah, this experience of the holiness of God is not simply overwhelming, it is terrifying. Because to encounter the holiness of God is also for him to realize the darkness of his own heart. And he experiences this greatness of God, a goodness, a holiness so great, there is no room for any wickedness within. No room for any shadow of selfishness. And he is so different. And he finds that as a sinner, he's unable to endure the presence of a goodness so great. And he says, woe is me, I'm going to die. I am a man, he says, of unclean lips, born of a people of unclean lips. And he rightly recognizes that without support from heaven, he can't endure so great a presence as this. But then we see something remarkable. We see one of those same angels that proclaim the glory of God, grab a burning coal. Now, Raise your hand if you really like the idea of somebody bringing a burning coal to touch your lips with it. You know, sometimes we gloss over these details in the scriptures, and it's important to pay attention to what it actually says. A flaming ember in tongs. The angel's not even holding it with his hands. Too hot for the angel to hold, and he's bringing it to Isaiah. What a beautiful detail. Too hot for the angel to hold. And he brings it to Isaiah and he touches it to his lips. And amazingly, the prophet doesn't run away in sheer terror. And yet there is something here, a fire, a flame so mighty, so hot, that an angel can't touch it directly. And yet this flame can be brought to touch a human being, a human life. How absolutely marvelous that is. And he who is the man of unclean lips, of a people of unclean lips, finds his lips 
are made clean. Another curious statement. Notice he doesn't say, my heart is dirty. He says, my lips are dirty. And if we're honest with ourselves and we think about what passes over our lips on any given day or week, we realize that's exactly who we are. Men and women of unclean lips, and that uncleanness of the lip reflects the uncleanness of the heart and the spirit. But this uncleanness of expressiveness, what I show to the world, what I say to the world, what I communicate, isn't good. And his lips are touched and made pure so that he could speak a word given him from heaven. What a remarkable moment this is. Because it's at this moment then the Lord says, whom shall we send? And it is he newly made clean who says, me, over here, send me. He who worried about dying in the presence of God is now suddenly ready to step into that presence and receive a word and be sent to share it. Note how remarkable this is. To encounter the Lord sooner or later involves being claimed, being cleansed, and being sent. And it is out of that sense of having been cleansed that the prophet says, send me. How marvelous then that we have this in parallel with that day at the fullness of time when an angel comes to visit a virgin. But unlike the prophet, the virgin is not terrified by the angel. It's one of the most puzzling things in the story. Gabriel enters, and it's as if for Mary, this is the most natural thing in the world, that an angel has come to speak to her. And why? There is no lack of holiness in Mary. She who is full of grace has already been touched by the burning coal of the Holy Spirit, cleansed from all sin. Heaven speaks, and she is not terrified. Heaven comes, and she is listening, alert and ready. And imagine this, if the prophet had to be cleansed to repeat a word, how much more perfectly cleansed must she be who conceives the word, who bears the word? The prophet is sent to hear and repeat. Oh, but she in her hearing must fully receive, must fully conceive, and then communicate. And so it is that she, by the fire of the Spirit, freed from sin from the first instant of her conception. As soon as she understands what it is that heaven asks, what does she say? Not, here I am, send me. But rather, here I am, the servant, even the slave of the word, not let me repeat your word, but let it be accomplished in me, with me, through me, according to your word. And because of this, note how beautiful it is that we can gather here at the foot of this rock 
And what do we see? We don't see the overwhelmingly terrifying vision that Isaiah had, and yet we see something greater. Because we see the very word made flesh held in the arms of Mary, who comes to cleanse us all, to save us all. And we can gather here without fear, knowing that he has come to save us. Note how marvelous this is, that in and through the pure Virgin Mary, the glory of the Lord takes on a gentler appearance. The holiness of the Lord, still infinite and mighty, takes on an experience that doesn't threaten, but invites. And look at the child held in her arms and see that his throne in the arms of Mary is a greater throne than that fiery throne that the seraphim bore up. And why? Because that throne is the throne that loves him back, made pure by the fire of the Holy Spirit which he has come to give his church. And because of that, Something marvelous is going to happen here from this altar. Father Bill and myself will come forward to you, holding Saboria with the body of Christ, the consecrated host within it. And note what happens. Because we're going to say, Behold, see the Lamb of God. And what do we say? We echo Isaiah. We say, I am not worthy, but if you say the word, I will be healed. And we will come forward, men and women of unclean lips. We will stretch out our hands, and a burning coal is going to be placed in your hand. Your eyes won't see the flame. Your hand won't feel the flame. Oh, but a burning coal is going to be placed in your hand. And you will take that coal, and it will touch your lips and your mouth. And even as it touches, you will be made pure. Note how marvelous that is. One of the most beautiful images in the early church for the act of receiving Holy Communion was exactly that. Rather than an angel with tongs, the priest comes forward with the presence of Christ in his hand. That presence alone. A fire so hot an angel can't hold it. And yet a fire so merciful and so wonderful that man can be cleansed by it, touched by it, healed by it, and receive it. How absolutely marvelous that is. Amen.